I'd like you to turn to Haggai 1, 12 through 15 in your Old Testaments. Haggai 1, 12 through 15. And the word of the Lord that came through the prophet Haggai on August 29th, 520 B.C. is the very word of God that is coming to his people here right this moment, October 12th, 2014. This is the holy, inerrant, inspired word of God. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnants of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, high priest, and stirred up the spirit of all the remnant of the people, And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius, the king. We do not know how he felt, what he was thinking the morning after. We do not know how he was thinking on day 100 afterwards. What we do know is that he slept with another man's wife and he killed her husband to have her all to himself. His name was David, of course, and yes, he was a believer. And it was nothing short of the prophet Nathan that would come and confront him. We don't know how long it took spiritually in drift to get to the place where that would happen in his life. And we know it took a good long time before he returned to the Lord. But more to the point of the book of Haggai, how long did it take for God's people in this book to turn away from pursuing an exciting relationship with God, and I'll explain why I use the word exciting in a moment. How long did it take to come to the decision to forsake God's house, you know, rebuild my temple, that's why they were there, and to take the very building materials set apart for God's house and build their own houses, to build very fine, as we hear in the first part of chapter 1, very fine paneled houses and not attending to the Lord's house and their mission at all, uh, how long did it take for them to really begin, more as the pattern of their lives, to, to seek their own comfort rather than seeking the Lord their God? How long did it take for them to become consumers rather than worshipers? I think about 15 years is what, there's lots of dates in the book of, of Haggai. But I'll tell you what we know for certain, too, is that back in Babylon, you know, they left most of the people in Babylon. 
Back, back in Babylon, no one would have believed. Uh, this, 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 no one would have seen this coming um, with the remnant, the special forces of Yahweh. You know, Israel had been carried off into Babylon because they forsook the Lord their God, forsook the word of God, worshipped idols rather than God. And you know what happens when we walk away from God and God sends us his word and the Old Testament he sent these people called prophets, right? Basically, prophets said, return to me, return to my word. You're my covenant people. I love you. I want you. Return to me. And they didn't return to him, did not. And uh, that's why they're in Babylon. And all Jewish people in Babylon would sing songs about how they longed to go back to Jerusalem. They longed to be in the temple again where the presence of God would be, where the sacrifices for sin would actually happen. And uh, all that longing and, the, and, and, the, and, and how true their hearts were, we might say, was tested in 520, uh, excuse me, 5, I can't remember the date here, sorry about that. Um, was tested when Cyrus the Great, 539 B.C., when Cyrus the Great conquered Babylon. And, and the first thing that Cyrus the Great or Cyrus II did was he said, now that Babylon was a part of the Persian Empire, he said, any group of people subjugated by the Babylonians, held here against their will, you can go home immediately. And furthermore, he said to the Jews, you know, to you, I will not only allow you to go home, I will actually pay for the building materials to rebuild your temple in Jerusalem. And so there were over a million people in Babylon at that time, of, of Jewish people, and they'd multiplied over that 70 years. And all that longing, you know how many people showed up to go back? 44,000 out of a million, that's less than 5% of the people who were willing to forsake their comfort. So these are the special forces of Yahweh. These are the spiritual marines. These are the ones that are willing to, to travel over 1,100 miles over burning sands from uh, Iraq to back to Jerusalem to find the city laid in waste, to find all these kind of spiritually mongrel people uh, there to find the temple, you know, just not one stone left on top of another, and to give the rest of their lives to rebuild first the temple, then the city, and the glory of Yahweh in His temple and among His people. And a center for the faith given to His people. These are the most committed believers that you could find. The remnant, they are called. You know, like... But what's left on a bolt of cloth? You know, it's like that what's left. It's, you know, it's like special. They're special to God. They're left over. They're, they're the faithful. And yet, when the spiritual marines quit on God, what shall we do? And yet, they have quit on the temple. They have taken the building supplies. They have made their beautiful houses. They are far from God, seeking their own comfort rather than God. You know, they actually built a little altar on the rubble, and they said, you know what, <clears throat> I know God told us to do this, but we kind of feel comfortable with the way it is. Kind of redefined what the, the faith looked like for them. And God sent a prophet named Haggai to them, and a prophet named Zechariah to them. 
But here's the question. How long did it take for the spiritual forces of Yahweh to drift that far? And if the spiritual forces of Yahweh can drift that far, what, what about us? Are you the remnant of like the special forces of God's people on the earth? What do you think about us today? What do you think? I think in our own lives we have the same tendency to drift, including the person speaking to you. Um, this ranges from the more obvious to the less obvious. This ranges from finding ourselves one day deep in the foreign country of the prodigal, wondering how we got there, ranges from that to just kind of people heading that way all along the path. And what does that look like? And how long does that take? How long does it take to end up in a hotel room with somebody else's spouse? How long does it take... Uh, before a believer starts regularly cheating on their taxes or regularly padding their expense account and pocketing money, I'm talking about it as a lifestyle. How long does it take? How long does it take for a person to be so unforgiving and become so calcified in their souls that the very mention of discomfort and any demise of their enemies brings giddy delight to our heart? Is that really who we want to be? How long does it take? How long does it take for a person to find themselves staring continually at inappropriate material on a computer screen? How long does it take? I mean, look. Porn, popularity, likes, consumer purchases, calories, these are all the drugs of choice of a soul trying to satisfy itself. Can be. But the question this morning isn't really how long did it take. And that's not really the question that I want to focus on this morning, but it's the backdrop because we kind of get the how long it take kind of in, underscores the drift, doesn't it? and the unchecked nature of it. But what I'd like to ask is a different question against that backdrop. How long would it take to come back to God and to see our lives changed? What would it look like to come back to the Lord? The answer to that question in the book of Haggai is astonishing. It's astonishing. You know what the answer is? After 15 years, or however many years your drift is, or is in the process of being, or days, or months, or whatever, you know, the, the astonishing answer is immediately. The grace of God is more powerful than years of drift. Immediately is the answer in the book of Haggai. With him, years of distance. Layers, layers of all of this are erased in a moment by God's grace. You know, Haggai is the only prophet in the Old Testament, the only prophetic book, and the only prophet where he heard the word of the Lord, he came to God's people, and they heard him, and they obeyed him. 
and immediately came back to God. And immediately were changed and immediately began to live out God's agenda and His purposes for their lives. That is one of the uh, special things about this book. You, you may be reminded that I came across this book just by the Lord leading me there. wasn't sure why. But um, they are immediately forgiven. They're immediately blessed. They're immediately changed. Uh, the good news is that God's grace comes to us when we recognize it immediately, and immediately we're put on a different path. It, it is incredible. And I'd like you to see God's work in our lives, wherever you are on that road, because as sinners, we're kind of on that road somewhere, right? Wherever you are on that road, I'd like you to see His work in us in two ways, as both very personal and very powerful. Both personal and powerful. The first is how astonishing it is for people who have thumbed their nose at God and sought their own comfort to have such a personal and loving reaction from God toward them. It's what's called grace. You know, it's what we don't deserve. Here are the words that, of course, stick out when you read it. I am with you. I am with you. It starts with verse 12. It starts with the notion that um, God is saying to them, Look, I see where you are. I see the 15 years of drift or however many years it was. That's why I personally, God speaking, I personally sent Haggai to you. I personally love you. I personally want you. I personally am sending someone in my place to give you my word direct. That's how much I care. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that that's how much he cares? Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant, the special people of God, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. God didn't speak audibly. He spoke through the prophet. He spoke his word to them. They obeyed the voice of the prophet. As, look at these words, as the Lord their God had sent him. That's personal. And you know what? They repented. And they turned to him and to his word, verse 12, and they obeyed the voice of the Lord. That is the kind of, like, headline over the whole thing. There's so much included in what it would mean to, for the people of God to obey the voice of God. That includes repentance. That includes coming and clinging to Yahweh. That includes God beginning to move them on a, on a different path. That's the headline of repentance, you see. I sent the prophet to you personally. They obeyed the word of their God. Don't you like it? Not just God. Their God. And through the word of God, through the prophet, they felt the fear of God again. This is not shivering fear this is the wonders of Yahweh this is the awe of God combined with the presence of God and in whose presence we are by his choice it's amazing all the people verse 12 all the people feared the Lord and after years of drift just like that they are back and then God says in verse 13, I am with you. 
I'm with you. Verse 13, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people the Lord's message. That's capital L-O-R-D. That's the covenant name for God. That's the I never left you. I love you. That's why I sent the prophet. I am with you, declares the Lord, Yahweh. I mean, what beautiful covenant words. What beautiful personal words. I am, I personally am with you. Even you, we might say. And God not only wants us to experience His awe, but His grace. And the reality of His presence, both in terms of His glory, but also in terms of His grace. Look, the Lord is saying the same thing to you and to me today. I'm coming after you. And I want you to experience my wonders again. And I want you to experience my grace because I love you, and I'm coming after you, and I'm sending the Word of God to you. One of the words, one of the names, rather, of Jesus by one of the prophets, Isaiah, is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? I am with you. God is with us. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold... The virgin shall conceive and she shall bear a son and you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now the words here, Hebrew words here in Haggai are a little bit different from that, but they they mean the same thing. God personally wants sinners. God personally wants to be with sinners. With is is the operative word here. You like with? I like with. As a, as a sinner, I like with. Jesus is the fulfillment of God with us. God came here, didn't he? God came here to be with us, to be one of us, to teach us, to show us, to personally fulfill the righteous laws of God that we could never fulfill on our behalf. The Son of God came to be with us and um, He wanted to clear a path so that we could be with Him. That's what salvation is. It's nothing more than God of His own initiative, by His own grace, by His own action, clearing a path so that Emmanuel can be true for you and for me. It's amazing. But you know what I love about the book of Haggai? Among many things. I mean, I'm really interested in this book. (laughs) Um, I I love the fact that it's not just a category for them. He's really with us. In other words, it's not just like God did this and He died on the cross just so you could be no longer damned and condemned and you could be out of that category, big, thick line, into this category. Now you don't have to worry about hell. Now you're in a different category. In God, great. Hallelujah. And that's all true. But no, Emmanuel doesn't just mean with us to get us in the right category. It means with us. That's my God with us. That's my God in my life, God in your life, with you. Because of what he's done, because of Emmanuel, that's what he's saying to them in Haggai. And they feared the Lord, and and they obeyed the word of the Lord, they repented. They had that sense of the fear and glory of God, 
and the grace of God. And God said, I'm with you. I love Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out. Here's the great extra part. And times of refreshing might come from the Lord. You see, it's not just that, that God wants to do something categorically. He wants to bring you into that withness that is the true meaning of life. It's what we lost in the Garden of Eden. It's amazing. It, it's personal. And it's yours. It's yours. So, so first, his work in us is personal. And it was in the book of Haggai as well. But secondly, it's powerful. Something's going to happen by God's power out of this repentance. You see, they were not only forgiven and experiencing God with them, God also turned their lives. Repentance means turning. Um, You know, a lot of times the Old Testament will say repent or return It's the idea not just of getting okay in a category, but it really is the idea of of a life that's turning and what that looks like to to know the one true and living God and to walk by grace into a real life with Him. And um, they changed. You know how we know they changed? You, You go back to earlier where He commands them to immediately go up in the mountains and cut down trees and start rebuilding the temple. This is the word of the Lord through Haggai. Why, you know, I thought there were uh, lots of timbers of cedar for the temple. Well, there were until they stole them and padded their own life with, with God's stuff, with what God... I can't, you and I can't imagine taking the good gifts of God and padding our own lives. Can we imagine ever doing that? Seeking our own comfort rather than seeking God? Becoming consumers or, rather than worshipers? Oh, this is very relevant to me and to you. And so what we see in, in the power of this is how they, they immediately climbed that hill and started cutting down those trees. And I, I love the language used of God's working in their lives. Verse 14, if you look at it, he, quote, ready, stirred them up. I love it. Stir us up, God. And he stirred them up. Verse 14, and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, he stirred up the governor of Judah, uh, uh, Zerubbabel, and he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and he stirred up the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Date again. Haggai's filled with dates. Now, this is the calendar of the Persian Empire. You've got to translate this. I don't know how to do that. I just know what it says in the commentaries. So, you know, this, I'm just about to quote to you the Persian date of this. Uh, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king, they, started, they, they climbed that hill and started cutting those trees. Something changed in their lives, and, it, and, and, and there were footprints all the way up a mountain to show it. <laughs> Oh, that God would give His church such a stirring up. The word means 
literally to be energized for a task. Not only means to be energized, you'll love this. It means to be energized and encouraged. See, this is God at work in them. And I love the fact that God did this in their lives. But you know, what you see in Haggai and what we desperately need to see in America in this church is God not only did this in the lives of individuals, and it has to start there, they repented as a church. You get that? They all feared the Lord. They all heard I'm with you. They all went up that mountain to do the will of God. It was a a personal turning, but it was also a, a mass turning. Oh, that God would give such a personal turning and a mass turning to his people today. I think that right here in Haggai is something very important. And and by the way, we can't make that happen. That's called revival. That's what God does. But I'll tell you something, folks. It starts sometimes with him beginning to open our hearts to, to want that. Do we want to be consumers at the core, or do we want to be worshipers? Do we want to serve ourselves at the core, I mean? We all got to buy stuff. And, you know, at the core, we want to serve ourselves. Do we want to serve the living God? What's our life? and our lives corporately going to be about. Look, this was real. August 29th, 720 B.C. is when the word of the Lord came to them through Haggai. 23 days later, September 21st, 520 B.C. is when they went up the mountain. So, so we, we understand that God is at work here. And this, and this turn, this, there, it's not just personal. It's powerful. It leads to change. Walter Kaiser, Old Testament scholar, says, God granted a new vitality to this community that he stirred up. This involved restoring their vision and renewing their energy for tasks that lay before them. A complete change in their heart had taken place and the leadership and people now wanted to do the Word of God. Now the community shared a common vision and enthusiasm for the work of God. For God had met with His people and had changed them from the inside out. And that is the proper way it looks. You can tell that repentance has happened in your life when the love when love for God has been stirred up in your life in some way. You can tell that God not only said, oh, you're forgiven, category, but that there's a turning when, when you just love God a little bit more than you did. Kind of desire God a little bit more. Than, you see what I'm saying? This is real. This isn't just categorical. And therefore, it's wonderful because it's real. Yeah, when they returned to the Lord, it was more than a return. It was both personal and powerful. Now, let me ask, what about you and me? Um, you know, I'll tell you some funny stories about myself. And I, I don't, but I want to share something with you this morning. Um, in the last year, I have seen the Lord 
work in my life in some important ways. And they have not all been happy. But they've all been good. I've seen him work in my life um, doing some work within me. It's not near finished. And I'm glad. I will tell you that his pursuit of me, his confrontation of me, his giving grace to me in various ways has led to a greater love for him. It's led to a greater desire for him. And it's led to a greater sense of the fear of him. And I've been given a stirred up desire. Again, we're, we, we've got a long way to go. I want you all to think process here. Okay? I don't mean forgiveness, that's immediate. I want you to think process here. But I will tell you this. That this, what I'm talking about, has meant more than anything else, period, in my life in the last year. I've got a lot to thank God for. But nothing greater than this. When the Lord, the God of heaven, Yahweh, the covenant God, who sent his own son to clear the path so that he can be with you and he is with you when he is moving in your life, there is no higher more wonderful thing that could ever happen in your life than that. I'm talking about God. Is that work in your life? What does that look like for you? Um, where are you on the road to the far country? You might be three steps on the way. You might be five years deep into that territory. I don't know. Isn't it great that the Word of God just searches our hearts? And how long does it take to return to God? Immediate. You need to understand that, you know, in the different dimensions of our lives, forgiveness, forgiving grace, let's call it, is now. It's now. I don't see how you can live without that. Anything else is worse. I mean, how long does it take to get out of the doghouse with God? You're never in the doghouse with God. He loves you. He's coming after you. He's coming after you with His Word. He's coming after you in ways that won't be comfortable, but I promise you, it is grace. And, um, and, and it is the beginning, just this forgiving grace, if you dare to ask for it, it is the beginning of something new from the inside out, regardless of where you are on that continuum toward the far country, in that continuum of drift, let's call it. I believe that God is personally sending his word to us now through the book of Haggai. Um, our theological forebears believe that preaching was the very word of God in the sanctuary right here directly to our thirsty and needy souls. And I believe that God is personally sending his word to you and to me right now, and I believe he wants to give us grace right now. I believe he wants to arrest things in our lives, but more than arrest. I think he wants to turn. I think he wants to bless. I think he wants to start something wonderful and new with him.
I think God wants to restore a sense of the fear of Him among His people. I think He wants to restore the sense that there is none greater than our God, that all of God is foundationally what it looks like to relate as creature to Creator. And He wants to restore that sense of ongoing grace, which is the essence of son and daughter to Father. He wants to give us this uh, I am with you sense. I am with you. All of these things are better than any kind of life you can give yourself. I promise. All of these things are better than paneled houses. That's the words of Haggai. That's what they you know, use. The, all of these things um, are better than the, the consuming that we make our lives about. And I believe God not only wants to give us grace and forgiveness and a sense of nearness, I really think God wants to work in us powerfully. I think maybe God is saying, it's time just to go cut down one tree. (laughs) Okay? You'll have to cut down the whole forest. How about in the next 23 days, that's how long it took for them to get up the mountain and cut down a tree. (laughs) How about in the next 23 days, you say, God, I give. Thank you. You've you've overtaken me. The drift, it's it's right here. You know, you're with me. I, I love you. God, help me to cut down one tree. That would be an amazing thing. What do you think? What do you want? What do you want God to be like? What do you want your life to be like? What do you want God's church to really be like? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is king and head of his church. And he wants to work personally and powerfully in our lives, and he wants to work personally and powerfully in our lives and through our lives to a world that needs his glory and his grace. Every bit as much and even more in some ways because they've yet to meet him than we do. What do you want? Let's pray. Lord, help us to want you. Help us to want forgiveness. Help us to want to be honest, maybe for the first time in a long time, with ourselves. If God is calling you to forgiveness, pray, Lord. If you you don't know him, pray, Lord, I, I want to turn away from everything and put my trust in you, Jesus. I want to receive everything you've done for me on the cross. Even now, I'm forgiven. Even now, I get to get to walk with you. Lead me. But if you've known him for a while and you, you, maybe God has opened your eyes to where you personally may be on that pathway into the far country, that continuum of drift. And you really want forgiveness. Just pray, Lord, I see it. 
I need you. And I pray that you, my Savior, my covenant-keeping God, my Father, as well as my King, that you would forgive me. Lord, that you would uh, not only forgive me, but that we would turn, that I would turn to you, that times of refreshment might come from you. And a, even if it's a slow arcing change, that it would be empowered by your grace, by you. Lord, we think about your church today, particularly in our own nation. We know your church in Iraq is not consumeristic right now. We know your church in North Korea is not consumeristic right now. But your church here is. Show us what we fill our lives with and show us whether we're worshiping those things. And Lord, would you bring, through individual turning, corporate returning, not just for highlands, that, would you bring that for your, your body here in this nation where we live, move, and have our being? And would you do it for your glory and the sake of your kingdom and for your grace to just travel unbridled and free through grace-captured people who long to worship you, walk with you, and minister in your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.